0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Let's go back to the North at Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline and bring in uh, Greg Schwartz at the Bleacher Report. And Greg, uh, thanks for joining me on uh, short notice today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me up. Yeah, man. Um, you know, definitely. Uh, you know, we were getting into draft conversation and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, Mitch sends me a story and it's in a Bleacher Report um, and, and I think it's sourcing uh, Joe Varden of The Athletic. Um, concerning some of the issues that's going on with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, you know, the article goes on to kind of allude to the fact that um, players are a little upset um, on the Cavs team um, with the shot selection or the the amount of shots that uh, Colin Sexton is actually taking and that other people on other teams are actually um, taunting Cavs players like, hey, man, you know he ain't going to pass you the ball, right? You know. Um, when that happens, what are some things, uh, you know, what is your perspective from, um, from this story and what is your take on, on where this is kind of coming from? And is this something you've sensed um, by being around the team as well?
0: Yeah, I think um, a couple of things that you have to take into consideration here is when you, I got the text from you asking about the article. I not read the article yet. When I saw the topic, I could have told you <laughs> what News Athletic came from and uh, one of two writers that it came from. Because it seems like we get a couple of these articles every year that um, just basically find some reason to tear the Cavs down. And it was another one of those articles. And, you know, some of that is justified. Some of it, I feel, is unnecessary. Um, my, other, my other question is, like, who's Colin supposed to pass to on this team? uh when you, when you sent away Andre Drummond and you and you traded away Kevin Porter Jr, Jr. who's dropping 50 points and 11 assists you know for the Houston Rockets like you, you just got rid of the two like primary offensive talents on this team. you know Drummond was second on the team in scoring when you sent him away with almost 18 points per game and I, I'm just like who who else is who else is supposed to be taking these shots that he's supposedly supposed to pass to because Right now it, it, it's Sexton, it's Garland, and our third leading scorer is Jared Allen. And Jared Allen is a very good defensive player. He's a good rebounder. He's a good finisher around the rim. Jared Allen's not a a Kevin Lover and Andre Drummond where he's just supposed to demand the ball on the post and go to work. He's, he's not that type of guy. He's going to finish in the pick and roll. He's going to clean up offensive rebounds. He's a rim runner. He's not a guy that's like, hey, I need my touches. <laughs> he's not that kind of guy. And he's your third leading scorer. So I'm like, who, who's Colin supposed to pass to on this team? And then you got, you know, Love, who's, you know, has a game where he, he plays for 22 minutes and doesn't take a shot. Um, I, I, I just, I feel like, and, and we've talked about this before, some of the hate that Colin gets, I just feel is unnecessary. Um, especially when you, you look at and I looked this up, so his, you can look at Ross's numbers. I try not to look at just Ross's numbers, but he, is, he has averaging a career high of 4.1 assists per game. Uh, his assist percentage is, is what I try to look at. It's the um, percentage of baskets that are scored um, off an assist by a teammate. And his assist percentage this year is 21%, which is a career high. His first two years in the league, he was at 15%. Similar players, if we're looking for similar players who have that same sort of passing and assist rate, I'm going to give you some names. Bradley Beal. Devin Booker, Jamal Murray, all shooting guards, just like Sexton, with an assist rate of 21 to 22%. Is anybody complaining about those guys not passing the ball? And all those guys have, uh, I would say, far superior teammates on their team. You know what I mean? They have have Chris Paul. They have Russell Westbrook. They have uh, Nikola Jokic. I mean, they have guys who are all-stars on their team. The Cavs don't have that. So I'm like, uh, maybe he gets a little too ball dominant at times, but I'm like, I don't know. I just felt like it was completely unnecessary, especially for, you know, someone who no longer is a beat writer on the team.
1: You you know, for me, I, I, here, here's the way I look at it. And, and it's um, to me, it, it's nerve wracking a little bit um, because, you know, I read the articles and I, I take a look at the stories and I, I, I don't think people are literally watching and then formulating their own ideas as to what they want to say or how they feel about, you know, this player. Is is what I'm saying about you, him correct or accurate? Or is it just more of a perception thing um, more than anything? When I look at this team and, 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 and it hits me in the face, I'm saying, you know, I, I could understand if you guys were – Uh, You know, if the Cavs were contending teams and we had a a, a rookie or a a second year guy who was obviously the first option and Colin Sexton was just jacking up shots and chucking the ball up and not looking for people and all this other stuff. But the Cavs are a bad team. They're trying to find people and pieces and parts to rebuild around. And we're talking about a kid getting 24 points. Like these points are coming from the sky somehow. Like, do we want? Do we want to? Um, you know, just are, are we just spot shadowing? Like I said, you're feeding Prince or Larry Nance Jr. is the is just the answer. I just don't understand where it comes from, and I, I don't know if people are actually watching this kid play basketball.
0: Yeah, and and you know, you look at the Cavs right now. Um... I mean, basically, Kevin Love's been out almost the entire year. Larry Nance is out again. He's been out a lot of the year. Uh, Torian Prince is shut down for the year with ankle surgery. Dylan Windler is out indefinitely with, with uh, another surgery. Lamar Stevens has a concussion. Uh, Matthew Delvedova, who missed most of the season, is now uh, out, presumably out for the season again uh, with a neck injury. I mean, <laughs> who is he supposed to pass to? When your entire team uh, has has you know been plagued by injuries all season, like I said, you, you got rid of Drummond, you got rid of KPJ. Uh, if if Colin Sexton was the point guard for the Brooklyn Nets, I'm sure these would come up. Oh, well, he's not passing enough because he has Hall of Fame talent around him, and he needs to do a better job doing this. Sure, I completely understand, but when you look and up and down the lineup of the healthy bodies that they have left, it's like. Who else is going to shoot? Who else can you go to to get reliable offense out of every night? Kevin Love is not a reliable scorer on a nightly basis anymore. He's not. He's averaging 10 points per game this season. He's shooting 40%. And then he's having games where he just, he just doesn't feel like shooting. He doesn't take a shot in 22 minutes. And he clearly can because he comes out the next night and drops 25 points. So uh, <laughs> it, with the makeup of this team, Colin has to shoot. And he's averaging a career high in assist percentage. And those numbers are the same as some of the best shooting guards in the NBA. I, I, I guess I just don't understand that because there's there's so many other things we could, you know, fault the Cavs for or, or kind of tear down. So to to kind of nit, nitpick at that, I, I I don't know. It's just unnecessary to
1: me. Talking to Greg Schwartz uh, of the Bleach Report on the North Arms at Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. I wanted to get your thoughts on this too. Um, man, um, you know, the Porter Jr. thing, I get tweets, man. I get DMs, I get tweets, I get updates from people. They like, man, he just dropped 50, man. Hey, you know, you know, he's over there dominating. You know he's he's that good. Oh my goodness, I can't believe the cast gave him up. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm watching it, those and I'm getting those uh, those messages and I'm just I, I don't even really want to look at it because I get kind of sick to my stomach a little bit because I'm like, man, uh, you know, we just really basically um, gave away. Like when you're trying to rebuild, you can't miss and do things like that. You're trying to rebuild. These are these are organizational changing decisions and you can't miss like that um, when you look at. And you say, okay, the situation with Kevin Love, um, how does that play out? I'm not in the locker room. um, I'm not around the young guys. How does that play out when you see one of your teammates uh, like Andre Drummond, who people liked um, sitting and basically, you know, just sat down for no reason? And um, Porter Jr. is now thriving over in Houston how does that how does that square with what Kevin Love did a couple of days ago? And and what do you think the, the his teammates and, and the pulse of the organization is at this point?
0: Yeah, I, I just think that the Cavs and Kevin Love are just stuck in a bad relationship right now, and it's at the fault of the contract. And I'm sure if you know a, a reasonable trade offer was well, at this point, any trade offer was on the table, and Kevin Love would be gone. But there there is no trade market for him. There has not been one since uh, the second game of the season when he got hurt. And, you know, maybe if he had stayed healthy all year and maybe if he was still averaging 11 points and 10 rebounds and shooting 37% from three, maybe if that was there, there might be a little bit of a trade market with us taking back a bad contract. There is no trade market for him. And... It's kind of like, I, I just see it going down the same path as, as Blake Griffin with the Pistons. I think that's like the perfect uh, kind of looking into the future of what you're going to see. I, I'm guessing it's going to have the same effect where Blake is this, and, and Kevin, you know, you have a, a, a guy in their early 30s, they have an injury history, they, they're they they're no longer a star. They're a complimentary player, but they're still on a star contract, and the Pistons wanted to play their young guys and they were willing to eat a lot of that contract just to not have Blake around. It just didn't become a good situation. And I think they saved, they had two years left when they bought him out and I think they saved 13 million. Blake gave 13 million back out of a 70 some million dollar, uh, two year contract. Um, I think honestly, I think that's where it's going with the Cavs and love this off season. I think they will there are probably – I'm not reporting it, but I think there will be buyout negotiations. Kevin Love has two years, $60 million left, 61.5 I think is the exact range. Um, and uh, I just think it's going to be – you know, like, Kevin, like, how bad do you want out? Like, we're not going to give you the whole $60 million to go, you know, win a ring with the Lakers or the Nets. We're not going to do that. But if you're willing to give back $10 million or $13 million or kind of like Blake Griffin – would you be willing to do that? You know, you get to leave, which is what you want. Um, you're obviously not being a good role model for these guys right now. And the fact that you have to come to the team and apologize and, and you know, we've, we've seen the moodiness on the court for years now. I, I just think that's where this is heading, where um, after this year, OK, you've got two years left. How much money are you willing to give back? And that's if you're going to get out of Cleveland or not, because there is no trade market for them. You're not going to trade him. And if the only chance you do is if you're going to give up a first-round pick with him, which for a team that's rebuilding, you're not going to do that. So I think it's going to come down to a buyout this offseason would be my guess, but it, it, it all comes down to money and, and how much Kevin's willing to, you know, kind of shave off that $60 million that the Cavs still owe him.
1: All right. So um, that's the Kevin Love situation. Now uh, let's get to the nitty-gritty. And, and as you were – Saying something, it, you know, just hit me in my face. Um, and I'm gonna get you. I want to get your honest assessment on this. Um, when you look at it um, in, in terms of, you know, what that young core was. You have Sexton. You have Garland. Um, you, you have, you know, you had Porter Jr. Um, and you actually had Allen as well, who, who now you think you're gonna give a, a you know, extension to. Um, now that you have him as that young core. Now that Porter Jr. Isn't um, on this roster. And it's already the the, the thoughts of. The, the whispers of. Can it work with these two small guards in the backcourt? Can this really be what it is? And, and, and is Colin Sexton worth a max deal? Talk and conversation. Did the Cavs rebuild basically get restarted or reset the second DJ traded Porter Jr.
0: Um, I don't know if it got reset but it definitely took a big step back because I think anybody around the team or who, you know, watched the team extensively for the last or watched them last season, you know, you you line all three of them up and you say, here's, you know, here's Darius Garland, we've seen him, here's Colin Sexton, we've seen him, here's Kevin Porter Jr., we've seen him. Which one do you think has the highest ceiling? I think most people would have said Kevin Porter Jr. And, you know, obviously you have a lot of off-the-court stuff that goes along with that, so there's a chance that he's never going to reach his full potential, which, you know, could happen with Houston. We could see all these, you know, big monster games that he's having, and then, you know, he might have another off-court incident, and the Houston Rockets may decide that, you know, he's not worth it, just like the Cavs did. That's that's the risk you take. You know what I mean? It's, it's like – Josh Gordon, when he was with the Cleveland Browns, like he had all the talent in the world, but it's like, you know, obviously different issues and I'm not comparing their issues at all, but it's like it, the talent is there, but you know, they have to be available to the team and Kevin Porter Jr. Wasn't always available to the Cavs. And they decided that, you know, it ultimately wasn't worth the headache. I'm sure the Houston Rockets are are happy to take him on. So when you lined all three of those, guys up and you said okay if we're only talking potential then it's, it's kevin porter jr um and i think that was clear even with one season with the Cavs. I, I thought that was just the way he's his size his passing ability um his step back i remember you know being in the locker room and having conversations with him and, and him saying that like james harden was a guy that he modeled his game after that's who he wanted to play against and you just see so many flashes of that there um I'll say that the Cavs can rebound from that situation if they hit on a good pick in this draft, but if you look at what your ceiling was, if you had a uh, a healthy, a locked-in, no off-the-court issues Kevin Porter Jr. on your team versus what your ceiling is now, yeah, you took a big step back, um, but you still have at least four really good pieces in place with Isaac Okoro. and. I, I think it's just going to come down to this draft. And if you can get one more really good pick, is, and that's going to make the difference is if, if this is a team that's going to be one of the best in the East in five years, or if this is a team that's, you know, perpetually going to be rebuilding.
1: Um, you know, last question here, um, and it, it's kind of a two-part question. Um, you talked about it, um, you know, they they will go as far as they can go. Based on whether or not they can draft successfully in in this draft, I think to me, um, for the Cavs, given all the all that we just talked about, I think this is one of the most important drafts in the history of the organization. I'm just be honest with you, Um, because you know right now it's getting to that point where it's like you don't want to become get that oh they're a dumpster fire label. Like that's not what you want to do. You you got young players, you got some young pieces here you 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 don't want them to get exposed to that in terms of the draft choices and, and where they may end up what is the best case scenario um for the Cavs in terms of what can happen in the lottery or the draft and what in your your estimation cuz we've seen the best of both worlds we've seen the Kyrie thing happen and then we saw we get a number 1 pick with that and Wiggins but we've also seen us you know get down to number five or number eight and really not have that same luck. What's the best case scenario in the draft coming up? And what's the worst case scenario in a draft uh, in terms of where they could fall?
0: Yeah. So the Cavs right now have the um, they're tied for like the the fifth worst record in the NBA right now. Um, If you get to the top three, then you have the top three all have the same odds of getting the number one overall pick. So if you can get into the top three, which they're probably not going to be able to do because they're not, they're not bad enough <laughs> to be a Houston or a Detroit or a Minnesota. Um, that's where they'd want to be to get the best odds. But um, as they sit right now at number five, they have a 9.8% chance at the number one overall pick, which obviously is not great. Um, and as if they stay at five, they can only fall back to number nine. And they have a very small chance of getting nine. It's at 0.7%. Um, they have a, They basically have the same odds to get the number one pick or the number eight pick as they sit at five. Um, the way it's set up, they have the best odds of actually getting the number seven pick when they sit at five. It's at 28%. But all across the board, you're looking at um, um, basically, it's 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 a fair chance at number one all the way to number eight if you stay at the five spot. And you've got a slightly less less than 10% chance. At number one so the odds are not great but even if you're a, a bottom three team in the NBA you still only have a 14 percent chance at the number one pick so it's not a huge difference it's and we've seen you know the last couple of years you know New Orleans winning the drafts um, two years ago and getting Zion and Memphis jumping up the number two to get John Moran you know these teams that you know aren't the worst in the NBA have gotten the first overall pick and the second overall pick. So, I mean, it. It. it I hate to say it because it's, you know, it's kind of a crapshoot. But the NBA doesn't reward, you know, the worst teams like the NFL does, and because they want to prevent tanking. So uh, it's unfortunate because you have these worst teams, you know, like your Cleveland, like your Detroit, and it's like, well, how are we supposed to get better when we only have uh, a ten percent chance? Of, you know, getting to get the best guy in the draft. So it, it's, it's really tough, especially if you're a small market team, to get talent like that. But right now you're looking at anywhere from the first to the eighth overall pick if they stay at five with a 9.8% chance at number one.
1: Greg, I thank you so much for breaking that down, giving us that knowledge, and um, thanks for coming on short notice to break down this story. I truly appreciate you coming on on a Sunday, man.
0: Yeah, no problem. Have a good one.